Welcome to the Life Science Marketing Society podcast, bringing you best practices, advice and insight from marketing experts from across the life science industry and beyond. To get more insight from the Life Science Marketing Society, please visit www.lifesciencemarketingsociety.org and grab your free membership. Welcome to the Life Science Marketing Society podcast. I am Harrison Wright. And I'm Nick Oswald, and today we are talking around the webinar by Laura Brown of Covalent Bonds, and she was talking about linking marketing to revenue, helping life scientists answer the question, is my marketing working? Now what we'll cover today is one surefire way to prove any marketing plan, how to tie marketing objectives and budgets to outcomes, and in today's quick tip, we will cover a software tool that makes producing graphics for banners, ebooks and social media a breeze. So Harrison, what did you take from Laura's talk today? What I took from it, Nick, is there's so many things we could delve into and talk about here, but the biggest overarching theme this for me is it's a systematic approach to getting it right, making sure what you're doing is actually producing the results that you want. And it's a it's an iterative cycle. So early on in a presentation, Laura talks about marketing performance management, which is a separate thing from simply marketing performance. And the definition Laura used for marketing performance management is the combination of process and technologies used by an organization to create the plans and objectives, put them into action, measure the results, and then feed the next cycle through insights gained and wisdom achieved. And I think that's an important thing to understand because naming no names or picking on anybody in particular here, but it's endemic with companies, especially when it comes to marketing, where, you know, oh, let's do this. It's a good idea. Let's do that. Is it a good idea? Did it work? Did it not work? Does anybody even know? And then they carry on doing whatever it is they were doing, or maybe they try something else when they should have stuck with what they were doing because it would have produced the results they wanted, but they just didn't know what to expect or or the results weren't coming as fast as they should have. So fundamentally, what this is about is deciding what you want to accomplish, putting in in place a plan and structuring that plan and, and the metrics and activities of that plan in a way that you believe will achieve the end results that you're really after. And the end result isn't something, you know, in terms of an input, like we want to have 10 blog posts. It's the outputs, it's revenue, it's customer loyalty, it's the things that drive the business forward. So ultimately what this is about is creating, executing and measuring a plan to do that and if it doesn't go exactly as you expected the first time round, that's fine because built into this process is is the measurement aspect where you can review it and say, well, what worked? What didn't work? What did we do wrong? What did we do right? How do we refine this and do it better next time? So every time you're going through this circle of planning, executing, and measuring this process and then iterating upon it and doing it better next time. So that that's the that's the core theme that I took from this. And then there's many aspects to this in terms of getting it right. For example, uh, Laura talks about the four P's of marketing operations, uh, which are essentially the components of this this process. Uh, the first P is planning, laying the foundations for success. The second P is the process, i.e. getting the right budgets, getting the right resources, the right systems and tools and people to achieve the success. It's partnership. You could look at that in the context of having the right people But uh, from Laura's definition, it's more so about getting the right partnerships in terms of marketing agencies and third parties that can help you with your journey. And then 
finally, the last P is perfection, which is the measurement side of things, and not only measurement, but measurement that matters. If you're going to keep KPIs, it's important to keep the right ones. There's so many things we could talk about here, but if we're looking at it as a, as a theme, that's what I took. It really is a meaty webinar, this one. And what, as Laura laid out in the beginning, this webinar becomes a real relief to marketers who are experiencing increasing accountability for revenue goals from their marketing. Laura here lays out a plan that al allows you to, to do that easily by stepping right back, choosing a goal, a revenue goal, and then linking all the marketing back to that. So the answer of whether the goal has been achieved can be answered easily at the end. One thing that I took away from this, our listeners can dive into the webinar if they want to get the full plan. One thing, small standalone thing that I took from this that I think would be extremely powerful in helping you to improve any marketing plan that you have is to plan based on fact and not opinion. And I know from our efforts that it's so easy to assume that you have a target audience thinking a specific way or with a specific profile, you're trying to sell to a certain level in the hierarchy or so on. It's easy to, to assume that you know what that is and then build the marketing around that. And Laura points out the folly of that. If you're going to set out a five-year plan, as she advocates here, that you need to do it based on fact. And for example, one thing that she mentioned her company advocates to, to its customers is something called the 100 Labs program. And that's when they have a new product launch or, or just marketing the whole company. They go to 100 Labs and they ask them questions around the area the products serve. They have discussions about them, they gather data, they gather evidence so that they come back with facts or that they can build the marketing on. And of course, the 100 Labs program is a huge exercise, so she also talks about using smaller dip tests where you just talk to smaller numbers of people around the area, but the outcome is the same, that don't plan your marketing based on what you think is happening, find out what is actually happening uh, and then aim for that and build based on that. Exactly. I think it's very easy in, in this day and age, because I sound really old saying that, don't I? In this day and age, this age of digital marketing and moreover digital everything, some people can end up forgetting this personal link in what they're doing. So it's easy to say, oh, I'm a marketer and sit and do things on your computer and never actually have substantial interactions with the people that you're dealing with. And instead of thinking of, people and visitors and, and users and, and researchers, they think in terms of traffic and leads and click-throughs. But you, you have to have that that human element and human connection in order to, to do this well and to actually, tying it back to your point, to understand the facts rather than making the assumptions. And that means getting out and talking to people. Definitely. So I think that was a really important takeaway. One big takeaway for me as well, it was one of the many, many points Laura made, but I think this is has quite profound implications, which is when you're in the in the second P in the in the process element and you're planning out your budgets and your resources and people and systems, etc. Don't allocate your budget by the activities you want to conduct. Allocate your budget by the outcomes that you're expected to produce. So let's say for example that you want to do content marketing and you want to do paid search and you want to do something else. Let's say you want to do social media as well. Those are three components of your your marketing activities. And it's very 
simplified example, but just for the sake of illustration. So some might say, well, we want to do content and paid search and, and we want to be on social media and we've got $600,000. So let's spend $200,000 on content and $200,000 on paid search and $200,000 on social media. Why, why would you split it evenly? Or the other alternative might be, you know, we want to do content marketing and we want to do social and we want to do paid search. With our content marketing, we want to produce 200 articles. So we're going to spend 80% of our budget on content and the rest, will, you know, we'll use whatever we have left to run some Google ads and put some stuff on, on social. Whereas, do you actually know what return you expect to get from those things? And if so, would you allocate your budget in the same way? So if we look at content marketing, just for the sake of an example, do you know what the impact of that content you're going to publish is going to be? And how would you measure that? So an example from my mind is typically, uh, and this is going to vary from site to site, but in our experience, if you have, for example, an article on your own site, and assuming this has some sort of lead capture built in, whether that's the content upgrade technique to download a, an ebook in exchange for an email address or, or whatever other opt-in methods you're using off the back of your content. If that's set up well and efficiently and the opt-in matches with the content well and everything else is taken care of, you should expect somewhere in the range of 1% to 1.5% of, of visitors to that article will opt-in. So to get 10 leads in, in, a, in a bearish sense, you're going to be looking at a thousand visitors to that piece of content. So this begs the question, do you know your numbers and how they link to revenue at the back end? How many opt-ins do you need to produce marketing qualified leads? How many marketing qualified leads do you need to produce sales qualified leads? How many sales qualified leads do you need to produce opportunities in the pipeline and ultimately sales? And then on the back of that, you can go even further. What's the lifetime value of a customer? What, what's the value of that lab that you've broken into beyond the, the, the original person who was interested? And it's only when you know all these numbers you can make a, an accurate assessment of what a budget might be. You might you might work out that in order to hit your revenue goals, you need to get, it's just going to pluck a number out of thin air, you need to get a million visitors to your content in, in a year. Is that achievable? How is that achievable? The point that I'm stressing here is it's only when you know all these facts and the expected result of what you're going to do that you can plan your budgets out accordingly. And that way, it has multiple benefits just beyond forecasting and, and knowing how to plan your time. But it also means you can justify how you're allocating your budgets to your boss. It means if you're expected to produce increased results, you can negotiate an increased budget. And just as importantly, something a lot of people face quite often in their marketing careers, maybe your marketing budget gets slashed for the year. But that means you can negotiate a lower set of goals to accomplish with a lower budget because you're tying you're tying your budget to the outcomes rather than the activities. And so it all becomes a driver of business value, which is another core theme of what this whole presentation is about. If marketing is tasked with increasing responsibility for revenues. This is one of those areas where in marketing we move from being seen as the people that put stuff out and we're a cost to problem solvers for the business and, of course, for customers as well. Yeah. I mean, out of that example you just gave, it's very clear to see the difference between saying we want 200 articles for our website and saying we need a million visitors, we expect an average of X number of visitors per month to each article, so therefore we need you know whatever number of articles that is on our website. There you're, you're linking the, the number of articles you need 
to the traffic goal that you're looking for, and then you can link the traffic goal onto the conversion goal, and so on, onto the revenue goal. You definitely see both happening, but mostly we want this number of articles. Uh, in our experience, I think, mostly see that. It would be easier, you can imagine it is easier to get budget if you can link the content marketing out to the marketing, the marketing revenue goal. Exactly. And what a, what a relief it is to know what you're actually going to accomplish before you start out doing something. Yeah. And I guess if you put, we need a million visitors and this will be the, the number of leads we get, this will be the number who go through sales and so on. You start off with a, a best guess initially there or based on whatever numbers you have and then you refine it year on year so that as you go down the line, you know what you need to do to get to what content marketing you need to do to generate revenue. Become more and more accurate as you do it. But if you don't track it, then it's not going to, it's always going to be a black box and it's difficult to get budget for a black box. Exactly. And you could say the same thing for a paid search strategy. You could say the same thing for a social media strategy. Uh, it's, it's applicable across all marketing activities. Definitely. Okay, so this, as we said, Laura's webinar is a very meaty one, provides a great overview of the strategy she advocates for linking marketing to marketing revenues. Uh, so you can go and dive onto the, the Life Science Marketing Society page to, to grab that. That's at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Laura Brown. Okay, in today's quick tip, we are going to cover a software tool that makes producing graphics for banners, ebooks, and social media a breeze. The Bite Size Bio team found this thing about 18 months ago, and it has changed. It makes our life so much easier. Um, we don't have any affiliation with this this company uh, it's just something we would recommend as a marketer to a marketer the service is called canva it's canva.com so harrison maybe you could uh, you could chime in and give the pronunciation in your bbc english <laughs> in case people can't understand my brogue it's canva nick that's canva.com so that's c-a-n-v-a.com so on there you'll see how it works that they have hundreds of templates for banners of all different dimensions for social media banners, for ebook covers, basically anything you could think of. And all you do is you go in there when you want to make your own banner, you choose the dimensions, and then you just throw in your own text and pictures on their templates. And literally five minutes later, you have your banner all perfectly laid out and, and everything. And you download it in whatever format you want. Uh, well worth a look, canva.com. That's today's quick tip. So this has been the Life Science Marketing Society podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Harrison Wright. And I'm Nick Oswald, and we will see you next time. To get more insight from the Life Science Marketing Society, please visit www.lifesciencemarketingsociety.org and grab your free membership.